I'm Laurel. And I'm Riley. And that's Josh. And this is Tallgrass After Dark. After Dark. Yeah. So, several months ago. <laughs> several. <laughs> several months ago. Serval, as they would say in Mays County, where in I grew up. Several we tried months. to be relevant. We were we were relevant. Mistake. We were relevant several months ago. Okay, yes. Yeah. But something happened with the audio. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to name any names. People are always going to be watching this in posterity. So. Classic estate planning attorneys. Am I right? Right. You hire yeah. people. Oh, they don't snap. do their jobs. Yeah. Editor's note. This is Jesse. I apologize. <laughs> right. yeah, I mean, I, he said it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway. What were we being relevant about, Josh? Jeff Bezos going to the moon. Mm. Or, I mean, he didn't go to the moon. Going to space. But the idea is like, people are trying oh to get Lord, out of Kevin. here. I'm sorry. There's a freaking fly and it's like my best friend. So, pardon. We've got flies. Yeah. We're all going to be doing our, our best We're Mike be Pence impersonation this evening. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. That's another one of those references that like makes sense mm-hmm. now to some yeah. people, but in a but few years. All right. They're going to be watching like, this in December what's going. What's happening? Just Google Mike Pence fly. <laughs> future people. That's not. There will be a Google image. Mike, yeah. Yeah. So the moon? Yeah. Nor, not the moon. Anyway, about space. All of that made me think. Thoughts. Thoughts. Property, estate planning, my stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to keep my stuff. How does it start? Like if you go to the moon. Rocks? Yeah. Like moon if rocks. you're on the moon. If I'm on the moon. If I am able to go and be one of the people who live on the moon. The initial moon colony. Right. I'm leaving. Obviously, I'm leaving the state. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Maybe. The may, country. I, so that's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I don't know like, how this I is going to work. I have a state plan. I, have, I just, this is a thought experiment. It's fun. Let's do it. Yeah. So what's estate planning on the moon look yo like? Yo, ho, yo, ho. Maritime law for me. Okay. Explain <laughs> that for the listeners who don't understand what maritime law has to do with space law. It's something to do with pirates. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what Maybe. we're going to be. Space pirates. Pirates in space. <laughs> Robert De Niro in a dress. <laughs> All right. This is For you Stardust well. fans. I like this no, version better I, than the one yeah. I, So far, we're nailing it. Well, okay. So what we talked about last time is, you know, for it to really be a useful conversation in any way, we're probably going to have more than one person. It's going to be a colony of people because usually your property rights are going to be infringed by others, right? Not just by yourself or there are people already there. The vast emptiness of space doesn't care about your moon rock collection, right? Less important. So uh, probably going to be others. How do we defend those rights? And I will also say that the law doesn't like to have to come up with new law. We really like to reach back to precedent if we possibly can. And I think that maritime law or the law of the open oceans, which is not claimed by any country, would probably be most appropriate as we're considering moon law. So do you know, and I don't know if you do know the answer to this, so we're both just kind of flying by the seat of our pants. I mean, if if I'm a part of or if I'm part of a group of people that just decide to have property out on a boat in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. how does how does my estate plan work? Who gets to say what happens to so, that stuff? Yeah, I know that maritime law is controlled <laughs> by the federal courts. There's admiralty law that's going to apply, and then that's going to rely pretty extensively on like treaties and international agreements. International agreements, yeah, who the people are that are trying to lay claim, right? Because my rights are 
they matter as we compare them to your rights. So I wonder, like the two things in my mind, as I imagine the space colony, um, are, well, maybe three things. Um, so have I really left the state of Oklahoma? In other words, if I move up there, does Oklahoma's jurisdiction still matter for my stuff there? I doubt that it does, but so much estate planning is defined by state law. There's no really federal estate planning law, so I'd have to tie it to some state okay, as a point of reference. Thought. Yeah. So if you own property in Oklahoma and you own property in Colorado, um, oftentimes uh, Colorado will insist on having their law applied to your Colorado piece of real estate and Oklahoma will want to do the same regarding your Oklahoma. So then it's just like a college football game. So, it, but then, so, right. it, but neither Colo, Colorado nor Oklahoma are on the moon. Agreed. Right. So, so I think you leave your state behind. So you'd leave us. So I think that too. But do you delete, do you leave your country behind? Right. In the same way that like in maritime law, your country matters sure. here, like in our thought experiment, let's say there's a hundred people all living in this colony together. And initially a hundred different countries have sent a representative. I suspect that we would send groups of people. Okay. So I don't anticipate we're going to be like 20 hey, countries. Yo, Chad, it's you, man. Make it happen. 20 countries have sent five people each. Right. But the idea is you've got a group of people from a variety of jurisdictions that are intermingling. And in a lot of cases, maybe even sharing certain resources. So, the idea that a particular country and their jurisdiction would control a particular person's property on the moon gets messy. And then so we get to the international agreements. I think this might be the kind of case, though, where we do come up with like, hey, listen, this is a novel, a novel enough situation that we need like a lunar jurisdiction. There needs to be like moon jurisdiction. So that's my, that, that's my question is, you know, I'm born. In the yes. late 1970s. Ah, okay. I grow up. My parents have stuff. I sort of gather stuff, like I collect stuff along the way that I think this is my stuff. Mm -hmm. But when you start to think about how I really have rights to that stuff, mm -hmm. like how does that start? That's why this thought experience matters to me. So, I mean, who gets to decide... Who gets to win? Who gets to be like, okay, this is your stuff. This is your stuff. If. Who is that? If your parents were United States citizens, if all of their property was located in the same jurisdiction, if there's no disputing your relationship to them as an heir at law, and um, if they had a trust or a last will and testament created under a certain jurisdiction's laws, then that jurisdiction, state of Oklahoma, is the answer to your question. Because that state wants to control the stuff that's in its territory. But then you get, so in the moon scenario, what does it mean to be in the state's I, territory? I just think, I mean, like I say, a person is not an island unto themselves, so they're going to send a group of people. Mm -hmm. It makes the most sense that they would send resources to be shared amongst that group like you know food shelter um those things are going to be shared so i would imagine 
that that country, I mean, surely there's got to be laws like, okay, so uh, if we think about different countries, right, there's like uh embassy, gosh, I was like ambassador headquarters. No, that's not right. <laughs> anyway, an embassy. Uh, and this would be a really similar question. So you have people from all different states who are residing inside of the embassy and they're all kind of under the jurisdiction of the United States, but probably not a state in particular. And they're also having to have interactions with this other country. I imagine there will be kind of like a common law unfolding because there will be all kinds of things we can't even anticipate. Right. Oh, sure. So I bet the, the yeah, first like there's going to be precedent about how gravity or a lower or a higher lower gravity, something, some, a different kind of gravity uh, is going to impact like this. Yeah. I wonder if like the first group that goes is going to be subject to a new multilateral agreement made of the countries who send representatives. And that agreement is going to establish its own rules to deal with this kind of stuff, but it'll be an international law thing. Like what you were talking about maritime. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But then if it lasts, if people stay there and build new relationships, get married, have kids, um, property is created uh industries are invented there's gonna there's gonna be britain and then we were the colonies and then we became the united states and we're like screw you britain i don't need your rules and the moon's gonna become like its own thing like its own thing i don't know with its own you don't understand it's almost like it's gonna need we're gonna need to have a court a little lunar court like that's what i'm really struggling like who gets to decide all of this most of what has happened consensus. Well, so there's two there's two different paths. Moon country, forever. right? And in the United States, it's all kind of gone back to the the English, you know, royalty system, right? The monarchy. But even there, there were these courts that were controlled by the monarchy, and then courts that were controlled by the church, and they had different like ways of creating rules and different standards that applied to determining what the remedies were for certain wrongs. And they tended to be like a focus on the, the written law itself versus an evolving standard of what feels just and fair given the facts. The likelihood is we have kind of a starting point in each individual country in an international law to have some written rules. So there'll be a stream of justice that rolls out of that. But then there probably will also be this new court of equity that is lunar based that is just there to decide what does fair look like in this new situation that raises issues, fact issues that we never could have seen coming and never could have created a rule of law to, to predict what the outcome should be. So there will be a consensus that's necessary to build in this new situation. Yeah, but I think ultimately you do have countries negotiating with other countries mm -hmm. until we have um, team moon country forever. Yeah. And it'll probably involve like earth side mm -hmm. um, determinations. Like the I'll satellite in these, some judge Judy like face on a screen that's resolving some conflict that's going on up there. The question is going to be who gets to enforce it because if somebody on the earth says, here's what should happen. But the people that are up there are like, screw that. Right. There's almost a 
something. There's a might makes right kind of situation. Do we need to also send a, law, a, a lunar law enforcement? Okay. So that's tasked. I mean, I really want all the fans out there who are also Star Trek fans to weigh in. And I'm happy to chime in here. I've, mm-hmm. It sounds like you're describing the situation that led to the American Revolution. Like the, there would be sort of taxation without representation in the sense right. that what does a judge on Earth really know about living on the moon? Nothing. Right. So there will be even even if there were moon some justice. contingent of law enforcement. How like what's to stop a group of people from overcoming them and saying we're going to establish our own kind of law enforcement martial law system, you know? I'm very curious suddenly, like, people who inhabit embassies, are they just kind of all operating on the honor system? Yeah. You know, or is it kind of like, like, we only send people to embassies that we know are not going to steal from the other people at the embassy. And if you do, you're just like, you're sent back. You, you're rejected. You don't get to occupy the embassy anymore. I'm just so intrigued. Yeah, the whole thing. Please, it's- if you have ever been at an embassy... In a foreign country, and you know more than I yeah. do, please tell me. We'd love to hear from Like, you. did you have like a code that you were supposed to abide by? And if you did not abide by said code, what happened to you? Oh. Intrigue. I believe embassies count as the other country's land. So you would be both crossing a border and committing a crime in another country. But like, no, what if you stayed in the embassy and you stole somebody's stapler? I think you can look at was it the Edward Snowden trial about like wasn't he in the Ecuadorian embassy and there never should have been a trial free Edward Snowden <laughs> and that's open the borders the yes. whistleblowers are amazing liberty 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 moon justice Forever. I mean that is a yeah. completely different conversation Whee! which is fun to have with Riley yeah well anyways but the, here's the, the litmus test on whether or not you're a good person is how you feel about Edward Snowden oh, gosh. oh man do we want to go down that road no. Okay. I want to go this way. I want right. to go the direction of there are really things happening right now where people almost enter a new world. Yeah. Right? In, in the sense or from the perspective of a, the law. Yeah. Like polyamory. Bo- oh, okay. oh. I was talking about flat earthers and I was like, that is a different paradigm. No, I don't know no, if it's a no, whole I new just world. Really, like, you thought he was talking about what? Flat earthers or something like what? that. Like really? You went a weird direction. I was thinking like birth like itself. Like just a baby's born. A whole new world. <laughs> no. This is real fluffy. Man. Yeah. No, I'm no. talking about like legitimate. I've entered a whole new legal world in the sense of maybe the, there's not a whole lot to say about it. The law that. hasn't yeah. caught up to what this right. is. Gotcha. Or to the degree the law has dealt with it, it's dealt with it in a way that's a little out of date. Restrictive. Yeah. Right. We're trying to force this square into this round hole. Uh-huh. So this is a really, I mean, I know this is not necessarily the road we're going down here, but it does introduce two, I mean, there's a lot of different perspectives on what the law does, but two big ones is, should is the law created to incentivize people to conform to some standard we've already decided on, right? Or does the law simply exist to find a way to provide just remedies for evolving situations, right? So like on polyamory, the laws that we have in place about polygamy, right? Which is different than polyamory, of course. Right, there's um, lots of 
different relationships. Right. But might involve more than just two people. But polygamy, polygamy would be, or, or laws against polygamy would be like, listen, you don't, more than two people don't get to get married to each other, which is an example of the law uh, incentivizing people to behave un- by a certain standard of morality. If you wanted to like honor the property rights of all individuals involved, do you think you could do it as like a partnership, like a business entity? Just you know so mean? long as you like make soap or something. If you can, yeah. if you can say that it's just sure. like an actual industry. So that would be a good stopgap. My my liberty-minded argument would be like that doesn't really honor what the actual relationship is fair, among these people. Fair. But I mean, it would be a stupid. Yeah. If you if these ten people decide to be in a romantic, committed, intimate relationship with one another, who's why does the law have anything to say about well, that? Well, and, and that so why does the law have anything to say about anything? It comes in when things go awry, right? Somebody mm-hmm. eventually dies or somebody leaves the group. And then we need to figure out, you know, property rights or visitation and how do we continue to support the issue of that relationship? Um, That's when the law has to like play a role because people are not on the same team anymore. Mm -hmm. Well, and most of the law is set up when we think about committed intimate relationships to be about the interests of two people at a time, Mm -hmm. right? All of our schemes for joint ownership of, you know, real estate, tenants in common, tenants by the entireties, all these things for owning properties, right, are based on most of the time whether or not one or two people own a piece of property. It, we don't really have a good way of thinking about the rights of multiple spouses at a single, at, at the same time to a piece of property. Like That's if, if, reflect, if Laurel and I buy this house and then every year we add another person to our relationship and put them all on the deed, at what point does it become a question of fairness if one spouse from like the original <laughs> decade passes away and their children should inherit some interest, but just brand new spouse has, has an equal amount of interest to the same property? But I think I there know. are ways in which the law does contemplate multiple people having a legal relationship over a piece of property. We just don't necessarily think of it as a romantic relationship, but there are like Tenants in common, many, mm-hmm. many people could own a piece of real estate mm-hmm. or as often does happen when people have not done estate planning, um, a group of descendants inherit a piece of property sure. and then have wildly different ideas about now what should happen what should we do with it? to that piece of property. And then we have things like partition uh, or quieting title in the name of whoever was actually maintaining the property. Um, so I think, you know, and even, you know, the your, your comment about, well, if other people come into the relationship at some point, um, do we consider them to be, you know, basically having an equal share in the community property of the relationship? And I think, I think that we, right now, the way the law is, we do. You know, we would say, hey, somebody might have been a stay-at-home parent and somebody might have been the breadwinner. Um, but joint industry made that relationship successful. Yeah. And so... Uh, it should be considered the the belonging of everyone. And yeah, okay, so if she came into the relationship or he came into the relationship and only worked for, um, you know, they, they were only together for like three years. It's still his property, her property. It, it is still their joint communal property, but maybe we pay alimony for a shorter period of time. Yeah. There was a less period of a, a loss of opportunity. Well, I think, so what this 
illustrates and I think brings up an interesting question for us is when it comes to estate planning, especially if you're working with really good estate planning attorneys, like Riley and Laurel from Tallgrass Estate Planning, um, there's a difference between what the default of the law is and what you and your particular group of people want to plan for. Oh, right? that's fair. So like we don't really need to think necessarily if we, if, if we had a polycule, right, which is what a group of like a polyamorous group is called. If we had a polycule come in and say, listen, we're five people with seven kids um, in committed intimate relationships that involve a variety of pieces of real estate and interests, et cetera. We wouldn't need to worry about the default of what the law would do if you all died without a plan. We would just simply say, cool, what kind of plan do you want to create? Um, if only one of you is considered or two of you is considered to be the, the legally married people because the law doesn't recognize the rest of your marriages as, as anything that has any legal significance, we can still create a trust or some scheme that does respect that and says if one of us is incapacitated or has passed away, how are we handling custody of children? How are we handling custody of property, benefit of property, the flow of assets, the control of assets, right? Those are things we can all plan for. So what's fun about what we get to do is work with a variety of family structures to say what kind of planning matters to you, regardless of what the default position of the law might be without a plan. So, so you're saying that with the law, as you all understand it, mm -hmm. you're able to then leverage the law to then write new laws essentially for people not maybe not law i mean i know that words are fraught with me no i don't think that's a bad i don't think that's a bad use of it right the law allows allows for us and gives us the flexibility then to determine what is best for you and your family when you're gone and we can we can be creative with that. We have yeah. room to do that. I think ultimately, you know, what you need to do to have a really good plan is to have one really good information and then a really open and honest conversation about what you're concerned about and what you're trying to accomplish. And if we can get enough information and enough of a safe space for people to really have that conversation effectively and fully um, then we as the attorneys are able to hear that and take what laws exist currently and achieve the outcome that you are hoping could be achieved. Like your use of the word law was not off. I think, I mean, to, in a certain sense, the law is just a set of rules that the government recognizes as valid and will enforce. Okay. All right. So there are, there are laws that will control the d distribution of property to certain relationships if you have no plan. But then the law also gives you the option within certain boundaries to create your own rules. But those rules will be respected by, recognized by the government and enforced by them, right? So essentially what a trust is, is the opportunity to create the kind of law that Congress didn't but the government will still recognize and enforce on your behalf. The, the kind of law that Congress couldn't because they don't know your situation know well you. enough. Right. right? Yeah. So, I mean, I always, I'm a little sympathetic to Congress rarely, but in this particular case, I'm a little sympathetic to Congress um, because I mean, if I were in the position to have to write the probate code or guardianship rules, which is essentially the rules for everyone who has not created a plan, 
it would not be perfect. It would not be ideal. It would not capture every situation and nuance and unique value. It'd be like the one size fits all dress and then you put it on, you're like, oh, that doesn't really fit anybody, right. mm -hmm. you know? Um, so the law says, listen, we've got a, a one size fits all dress for your estate. You're probably not going to love it. And it's not because we were trying to be jerks. It's like we had to create the lowest common denominator plan, right? So please consider your own people and your own values and create your own. Would much rather you have that on yourself than, than rely on ours. And really, you know, that lowest common denominator, what the law understands is you're a person that was married and had kids. And if you were a person that was married and had kids, we have a default situation for, for you. And if you're anything else, if you are a person who's in a committed relationship, um, we don't have a default that you're going to love. No. If you uh, are a person that has kids um, without the law involved, we don't have a default that you're going to love. If you are a person that wants somebody other than uh, you're, you're not in a committed relationship uh, you're not married and you don't want your parents to be making your decisions. You're not going to like we our don't plan. Have a default right. position you're going to love. Or so. if, if you're, if you're somebody that married a single parent and you got a step kid as part of your situation that you never adopted and then their biological parent died and you want, you treat this stepchild like it's your child. This is my kid. This is my son, my daughter. I die. I expect they're going to get everything. They're not. Right. There's no legal relationship there that's going to respect that. So you got to create your own plan to make that happen. Yeah. So it's very, very restrictive. Yeah. In the sense of like if I win the lottery, this default plan might work for me, but more than likely. Because you're married and you have kids. Right. You're right. Married, have kids in the yeah. sense of what they mean by marriage mm -hmm. and what they mean by kids. Right. But if you are, so it, in, in a lot of ways, and I mean, Congress has they, got to pick a pony, the law, yeah, right? The but the law, yeah, lawmakers have got to choose a path, but the path that they've chosen is largely based on monogamy and heteronormativity, right? And if that's not your situation, it may not work out the way you would love unless you create your own plan. Right. But thankfully... We can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Can. Right. There's ways to say, okay, that's not going to be for me. That's not going to work. Yeah. I need to do things differently. Mm -hmm. I can define what it means to have a spouse and what spouse means for me, mm -hmm. what kids mean to me, mm -hmm. whether biological or not. I can, I can, I can determine that's my kid. Right. Or that's who I want to get whatever or, or, that's who I want to decide whatever. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I recently had a client contact me and they had worked with me two years ago. They were uh, two folks who were kind of later in life. They both had their own children. Um, they were in a long-term committed relationship, were not married, didn't have any intention of getting married. Um, but they still wanted to like, you know, take care of each other. And then they had plans that they wanted for their, you know, each of their individual children. Um, and so we created documents that would accomplish those goals. And then they contact me uh, a couple of weeks ago and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, we're actually, we are going to get married. And they were really excited and they just wanted to touch base and find out, you know, like, oh, is there, now that we're getting married, is there anything that we need to think about or change? Um, and really, I mean, their goals were the same. 
you know, they wanted to take care of each other and then take mm. care of their, you know, individual children. And so the documents that we created before, two years ago, were really going to accomplish exactly what they wanted. Um, the same as now after they're married. So the only small suggestion that I had was, well, you know, if you have significant savings in your qualified retirement accounts, you're going to want to talk to your financial advisor and make some decisions about how those are designated. But that, I mean, that was it. You know, they didn't have to really do any significant, I mean, they had no amendments they needed to do. Because they sort of broke the, the, what, the fourth wall of the default law. Right. Yeah. Exactly. We were already accomplishing right. what their goals were. So now their legal relationship great. You know, they get to enjoy that. That's fantastic. Um, and maybe the IRS is going to give them a, a yeah. bit of a break when they're filing for taxes. Yeah. Sorry uh, to say the, the big difference where you can't really under current law, you can't get around certain rules that are, are kind of opposed to polyamory and polygamy is the tax benefits that are written into the law for a spouse are really only going to apply to one person. Yeah. Okay. Um, not to a variety of people. Um, so your first spouse is your spouse as far as the IRS is concerned. But for every other purpose that, a, that someone might think of creating an estate plan, there, we don't need to consider that a restrictive standard. So the, the concept of time, I mean, what's interesting is we started off talking about space and going to space and all the time is the, the intersection of time and you know space-time. The mm -hmm. uh, law doesn't seem to acknowledge time either. So, and, and what I what I mean by that, <laughs> as I, you know, hear you all talk, is one day you can you can be in love with a girlfriend or mm -hmm. a boyfriend or, or or significant other or a they friend or a they friend, right, right, somebody else mm -hmm. can be in love with them, and then the next day decide I want them to be my forever person. In the sense of legally making this binding as, you know, a, right. a partner in marriage, and all of that can be going on in your mind. Mm -hmm. All of that can be going on in, in between the two people, right? And the law is still going. We don't know anything until what, right? So, and this is kind of what we've told, you know, people who are engaged to be married. You know, yeah. Oh, the, you the can law doesn't really, really think you love each other. The law doesn't care about your person. love. Yeah. Right. But as far as the law is concerned, none of that matters until what? Uh, so if you're actually engaged to be married um, and you're wanting to rely on the default laws, uh, you need to actually get married. Otherwise, the law, like we said at the Tulsa Wedding Show, really doesn't care that you super love that person and you're going to be married in like two and a half years. Uh, if that person gets into some kind of an accident, um, if their utilities are in their own name, you don't get to talk to the utility company or the doctors, right? Unless you have documents in place. Despite the fact that you super duper uber right. love them and decided that in your mind three weeks earlier. Right. Right. It's a meaningless yeah, what your your perspective on your fiance, on your stepchild, on any any variety of objects of your love and affection are relatively meaningless without some kind of legal recognition as parent, as spouse, etc. Right? So um again, there are ways around that. 
right? If, if you want this child to be your beneficiary, you can't rely on default provisions in the law. You need to name them as a beneficiary in a will or a trust or life insurance policy. If you want this person who you love to be the default decision maker for you financially and medically, even though you're not married, you need to have a power of attorney or something that names them to do that. But you can't rely on you can't rely on lawmakers in your state to think, well, they were super in love. They should have some rights. That doesn't mean anything to the some law. Some people have been together for a really long time. They love each other a whole, whole bunch, but they don't think of themselves as married. Mm. And they don't, they don't want to. to ever get married. They're, they're unmarried on purpose and quite happy about it, but in a, in a committed, intimate relationship. Right? So, so it's really hard for the legislature to parse out those relationships from like, oh, no, yeah, we're definitely going to get married. Mm-hmm. They just don't. Yeah, so I mean, that's, that's just weird to me, or interesting to me. <laughs> so the you can say weird. It's weird. weird. Has, yeah. The law sort of has a, has a time of its own, right? Uh, you can decide this is my person. I want them making all my decisions whenever you decide that. But until that is something enacted, yeah, through a what a contract or something. Yeah, there's a, like it in just about every kind of relationship there has to be a standard or a yeah. kind of a a point that everybody can look to and say this is when something happened that changed the nature of our dealings with one another. Now for in when two people in a domestic partnership are involved that takes the form of establishing a marriage whether that's by ceremony and certificate or common law Right, but there has to be a standard we can point to. If it's people in a business relationship that have they didn't create an LLC or a corporation, but one of them wants to enforce rights against the other, right? Do we what do we got to do to to look at their course of dealing and establish the existence of a partnership or something like that? Yeah, Riley. Yeah. Are Are you down with LLC? I am. You know me. <laughs> um. So if you're if if a if you so if, if, oh, man. if people, one or more people, two or more people are trying to establish the existence of a relationship that has privileges and enforceable rights and remedies associated with it, they first have to establish that the relationship actually exists. Um, so marriage is a point in time that a lawmaker has said that relationship comes with enforceable rights and privileges, not engagement, right? Two friends sitting around and go, won't it be cool if one day we start a business doesn't create a partnership, right? Um, that's more like an engagement. Maybe we'll get married. Okay. Let's wait and see no rights until you do. Maybe we'll start a business. Okay. Let's wait and see no rights until you do. Um, so there has to be something that the law can point to and say, this, this is the moment the relationship exist, existed. And, and because of that moment, each party now has privileges associated with that relationship and enforceable rights against each other. Yeah. So what I'm leading up to yeah. is you can't rely on the law to default to what you think it ought to default. Right. You so might you might want to start important. you right. might want to start those rights and privileges sooner yes. than the, than the state would, right? And you can do that. The state says, sure. If you want to if you want to create a different point of reference where rights and privileges exist, go for it. 
but it's got to be unique to you. And you've got to take definite steps to create it. And without trying to scare people, one of the scenarios in my mind is, again, it's, it's about time, but not only time, proximity. Let's say, as an example, mm-hmm. hypothetically, mm-hmm. a couple takes their children on vacation along with somebody some, else's kids. Somebody else's children. Yeah. That never happens. Right. That never happens. Except to us two months ago. And so, oh, this is going to be fun. It's going to be a blast, blah, blah, blah. Hey, we get there. We're going to get back home. We'll be back on the 13th, whatever it is. Yeah. But things happen. Things don't go well. Accident. Somebody that's not your child by default. We're at the water park and a kid slips off the edge of the slide and breaks their arm, right? That we didn't happen to, to us. It didn't happen. Yeah, but it has happened yes. to people. It has happened to people, not to the hypothetical couple so the, <laughs> that we're talking about. The two, I love how you frame the question because there's two issues there that people think do some heavy lifting and neither one of them do. Laurel and I, let's, let's say it's us on vacation with somebody else's kids. Laurel and I and their parents could all agree that we intend... Laurel and I have the right to make decisions for those kids while we're away. If we need to take one to the doctor, the ER, urgent care, whatever, we can do that. Our intention gets us nowhere. We have no legal authority based on our intention. And proximity also gets us nowhere. Just because we've got possession of those kids does not mean we have the authority to make decisions for them. So, um, yeah. I mean, I really sounded smart with the way I framed that You did. You really sounded brilliant. The law does not care about our intentions or so, our proximity. All right. So what do we do then? Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, people are going to do this, right? Oh, I want to take my best friend with me. All right. You so, know, you're talking. Yeah. Oklahoma allows for, for a limited power of attorney. So the guardian of the child or the parent of the child could execute this limited power of attorney that is going to be viable, active for this finite period of time, you know, these four days where you're taking this kiddo with you on vacation um, that would authorize the hospital to provide emergency care, um, you know, the dentist to put the tooth back in their little pumpkin mouth, whatever thing needed to happen. Pick um, up a prescription medication, right. the pharmacy, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the temporary power of attorney and then... Because um, one time I... When I was a child, I broke my arm, and uh, my mom was in Hawaii, and this was back in olden days, <laughs> where we had, like, fax machines and pages and whatnot. <clears throat> Whoa. Uh-huh. I know. Wild pages. times. Yeah. Uh, like a pager? Like a... Or pages. Pagers. 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 I thought you said pages. No, I'm like, we sell pages, pages now. Yeah, for okay. a long, long time. Pages. Yeah. <laughs> we had pages we and faxes. We some pages, y'all. No, we had pagers, uh, anyway, pagers and fax machines. And so uh, my mom did not complete a limited power of attorney uh, for the person who was providing care to me. And so I sat with a broken arm for several days uh, until the, because it wasn't a life-threatening emergency. Mm-hmm. Like I could live with my broken bones. Uh, anyway. That's, that's not ideal. It's not I my mean, favorite thing. It did swell. It was super duper weird. Yeah, and then when they like went to set the bones, okay, this is super weird. Have you ever broken a bone? And then they set the bones, and all of a sudden there's this warm feeling. Like it's kind of creepy, but really cool. 
I don't know. If you know, you know. But anyway, <laughs> the point is you I had to wait Get four that. days. Four <laughs> days. And you don't want your little pumpkin waiting for days with their broken bones. No. No, so that one's a, you're not really like an engagement or a partnership. You're not establishing a relationship, but you are making your intentions clear in the form of a written document that's witnessed and notarized where the parent of the child says, I'm giving my children temporarily to Josh. You're going to go on vacation. And if you need to make a medical decision about them while you're there, you can do it. Nobody can question that you have that authority. Because the law is not going to like say that didn't happen. The law is not going to speculate. Yeah. Because that's a mess. Because there's too many risks. Yeah. There's, yeah. If, like, if you just, what if, if you were like, you kidnapped somebody's kid. They don't want you to just be able right. to, there like, has to be, have medical care. And I've got this child and their parent wants me to trust me. Right. <laughs> right? That's there's That's this way too. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you get to, you get to share that authority with someone, but you got to do it formally. We can't just take each other's word for it. Yeah. So I, I think kind of wrapping up, I mean, the big lesson is don't go to the moon yet. Cause we haven't figured that out. We haven't figured out the moon. Yeah. But, or you could go and you could be the one that figures it out. Or you could go sell for a while and see how that works. Yeah. Maritime. See sell if you away, like maritime sell law. Away, sell away. You're welcome. Was that a little in you? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just set that right up. Ba-ba. Nice. <laughs> Thanks. Anyway, what do you, what do you, you call can, it? When, what, a, what do you call it when uh, Inya tells a dirty joke? I do not know. Inyendo. Um, <laughs> I don't feel real good about that joke. <laughs> it just came to me. But oh, look at you! You just made that one up. I just made that's that one up. Good. Right. That's pretty good. Like right. There. right. Hashtag. I don't believe there. So, but you wanted to wrap up other things. I was just trying. To. You're just like, whoa, that was a lot. No, I mean, it was awesome. The moon thing. Yeah, I mean, Riley. Yeah, yeah. So the moon. Riley made point one. Yeah. Point two. If um, if you go to a zoo, and that zoo only has one animal, and that one animal is a dog, it's not the ark. It's a shit zoo. I feel like you didn't just come up with that. I you read that somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I like that one a lot though. Yeah. You're full of us now. TikToks. Tricker. That yeah. joke TikTok. It's just way too many good ones. <laughs> Lesson one. Moon. We don't have the moon figured out. No. We can't help you there. Okay. But we do two. have polyamory figured out. Two, you <laughs> can go and plan with an estate planning mm-hmm. attorney. Mm-hmm. Like those attorneys at Tallgrass. Yeah. Estate planning. Where you will be, not only do we know how to deal with that, but one of our core values driving how we function is... Dad jokes. Also dad jokes, but inclusivity. Um, There are people that are in alternative kind of family structures that wonder sometimes if they're going to be welcome or treated oddly or poorly. Some places, you are welcome here. Can I? So can I say, you can come to tall grass estate planning and work with them to write laws that work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. That's, I think that's fair. Yeah. And then three, plan, it's like, don't think that the law can read your mind. Mm-hmm. It can't. Don't think it's going to read your mind. And then also 
be on the same page. It, maybe it reads your mind, but it's not always going to be on the same page. Like, no, right. It does not know your intentions. If you're going to do things that could put you in situations where you have other people's children, just get a power of attorney or some kind of temporary thing to make sure your intentions are documented enough. I mean, I think the the underlying scare people, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the underlying principle of everything we do as estate planning attorneys is write it down, right? Like, I don't care if it's... Oh, that's every single attorney. All right. Well, I know, just write, not just us, but write it down. So cliche. Uh, But it's so true. (laughs) It's not just that I'm going on vacation with somebody else's kids, but it's the it's the retired couple that comes in and we start to talk about estate planning and they're like, oh, no, my, my kids know what we want to do. It's fine. My kids already know. Like, How it many doesn't times matter. Have you seen that work out? It doesn't, right? Write it down. Um, and write it down in a way that's going to be enforceable. Uh, but just taking for granted, I, your way of putting it was great. Taking for granted that the law is going to read your mind and then enforce what it reads your mind about. Neither one of those things work. Man, I feel really good about myself. You tonight. should. I don't know. Nailed it. I'm really spending it. a lot of time with y'all and it's like absorbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're an honorary attorney. Not, <laughs> that's how that works. Yes. That doesn't work that way, but whatever. Yeah. The rules are changing. The American Bar Association now allows attorneys to confer a JD on somebody oh. honorarily. Can I write a trust that says I'm like the thing? You I are say. the attorney for the people. Hold yourself <laughs> out as an attorney. In the community. You're our apprentice. Well, this is a good conversation. I mean, I agree. Okay. I, like, I like y'all. I used to be kind of indecisive. We have, but we now are really bad at, but now I'm not so sure. Wrapping it. Right. Thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Yeah. Yeah. This is an awesome conversation. If I point somewhere, can the subscribe button subscribe be there? Right here. Oh wait, I'm in charge of that. I upload to YouTube. So oh. I'm somewhere I'm around here. Subscribe. Yeah. Hey, we'll you, be back in two weeks. If you're on the YouTubes, you know where the subscribe button is. <laughs>